What's up, family? How are you? You, you are family. I know we're down at Norcross, but Victory is one family across several locations. And uh, I love uh, how Pastor Ben said, you know, just introduced us earlier. Um, my husband Johnson and I were the original OGs up here. Right? So Victory, before this building, this building, like this room you're in wasn't even here. Uh, we, we started Victory Hamilton Mill back in 2010, and so you are family. Uh, you get to see him a lot of times on this screen. Hopefully he's a little smaller, but in that, you get to see him a lot of times. I don't get to be up here with you, but I'm excited to be with you guys today because you are family, and I feel like I'm home, and it's good to be home with you. We love your pastors, Pastors Chris and Pastor Lisa, as they are doing a fantastic job up here with you at Victory Hamilton Mill. They have, so, you know, it was our heart's prayer that when we transitioned down to Norcross, that God would bring the right people who would care for the people of this community and share that same love and compassion and share Jesus with them. And they are doing that fantastically. And so we are so grateful to have them here as your pastors. But we've been in this series these last few weeks together, and together we've been talking about this series called Blessed. Say blessed with me. Blessed. You like how I just have some black? Blessed, right? How many of you have been blessed by this series? Come on. How many of you have been challenged by this series? Okay. Like a few of you are like, yes, right? We have cried, we have grieved, we have mourned, we have like done the hard part of like holding up that mirror, talking about blessed are those who meet, learning to think about others before ourselves, right? We talked about what it means to truly hunger and thirst for righteousness, for in that we will be filled. Pastor Chris talked about that a few weeks ago, uh, because in that we don't want to snack on what the world has to offer us, Right? Our pack of Doritos or anything, because that's not going to leave us full, but give me my steak and potatoes, right? We want filled. We want to be filled with the Lord. And so, uh, and then last, last week talking about blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so in that, as we give that mercy, it's something we get to receive back. And it's been good, but it's been challenging. Because many times when we think about blessed, we think about what God can do for us. Oh, see, nobody wants to say yes to that. Come on. We think about, God, what, you, what can you do for me? The new car. Oh, Jesus, I need that new car, right? Give me that house, those financial blessings. Rain down the money manna from above. Y'all are like, oh, I don't know if I should laugh or not, right? Because it's true. Sometimes we think about what God can do for us. But what, what God says, these things that we're studying in the Beatitudes is that God wants to do things in us. He wants to do things in us. And the greatest blessing you and I could, could ever receive is, is to not, for God to not do things just around us, but in us. The greatest blessing we could ever receive is, is for God to create in us the life, the character, the joy, and the DNA of Jesus. Come on. I want to look like Jesus. The greatest blessing you and I could ever receive is to look like Jesus. I want to look like Jesus. How many of you want to look like Jesus? All right. Like half of you. Some of you are clapping. Appreciate your honesty, right? I want my disposition to look like him. 
I want when people to encounter me to say, what is it about her? What is it about her? I, I want to look like that. I want the peace of God, the presence of God, the power of God, and the love of God to be so full in me that it looks like Jesus. That people say, I want that same life. Together and together, here's the thing, we're on this journey together, hand in hand, and this discovery of how to look like Jesus as we look at the Sermon on the Mountain. And so uh, here's what I know. Jesus is giving us all these words, and he's saying all these things because what he knows is that we're going to be able to stand in victory no matter what life throws at us when we put these things into place. We're going to be able to stand in victory when we put these beatitudes at the forefront of our mind, when we're living from this place. And so when we look at these beatitudes and we, at these things called the blessings, uh, we read here in Matthew chapter 5. This is where we're starting from as we begun the series. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are some of the most powerful statements ever uttered in Scripture and for us. But in these power statements, in this word, it's, it's chock full of challenges, these words of Jesus. Because here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, congratulations. Congratulations. You're beginning to look like me. You're beginning to walk like me. You're beginning to talk like me. You might not feel blessed, but you're blessed. You're blessed. And Jesus, let me just say this. Jesus didn't randomly go, let me put this one here. Let me just put this one here. Like it's not a menu to pick and choose from what we want, right? Jesus put these in order for a specific reason because one leads to the next. The Beatitudes build upon each other. So I even think about it this way. When the first three, we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, and then blessed are those who mourn, and then uh, blessed are the meek, right? These are all about emptying ourselves, emptying, emptying, emptying ourselves. And then the fourth one, hunger and thirsting for righteousness, the blessing that comes with that is that you're filled. And you begin to get filled with the things of God, with the, as verses 5 through 7, the, the merciful, right, the peace in that, right, in the pure in heart, what it looks like to live full of God. And then you just arrive at this outcome, this, this life where you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. But today we're going to arrive at what I believe is one of the most beautiful beatitudes with one of the most beautiful promises Today we're going to land on Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and it's this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I don't know about you. Like, that's encouraging, but it's a little discouraging at the same time. Come on, right? I'm like, I'm excited, Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But I'm, I'm a little scared. 
Because I, I want to see God. Do you want to see God? How many of you want to see God? Come on, right? We want to see God. I believe that's the desire of all of our hearts, and it's possible. But when I read the qualification, blessed are those who are pure in heart to see God, the, this discouragement sets in. Why? When he talks about pure in heart, because I know my heart's not as pure as it should be. I know we're up here in church. Y'all are like, oh, no, I'm just praying Jesus. Everything's good inside me. Come on. Let's be real. Even church people. We've got stuff on the inside of us, right? I don't want to have an impure heart. I want to have a pure heart. That's why Jesus is putting it before us. And notice Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say, hey, blessed are the pure in head, right? He's saying, hey, you're not, he's not just talking about your knowledge. You can know the word of God. You can read the word of God. But if you don't let the word of God transform your heart, it just becomes something on the outside, and it's not doing a work on the inside. Listen, doctrine is important. Reading the word is absolutely important. But what we th- and what we think does matter. But he's saying this is not just a head connection. This is a heart connection. He didn't say, uh, blessed are those who are just pure in, contact, uh, in conduct, right? Blessed are those who just do the right things out here. It's not just a matter of what you do on the outside. Following Jesus is not just a matter of action, but what we do does matter. But what he's trying to do, he's trying to get us to look beneath the surface. He's saying, hey, let's open this up. Let's look deep down into the heart. Let's look deep bef- below the surface at the heart. So what is the heart? You're like, I know what the heart is. It's right here. It's beating inside me. How do you think? I'm um, living, breathing, right? Yes, we live, we move, all of those things with our heart inside. But biblically, what Jesus is implying with the heart here is that the heart is the real you. The heart is the real you. It's the sum total of your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your feelings, your beliefs, your motives, and your motivations. The heart is the real you. Uh, Proverbs 27, 19 says this. It says, as a face is reflected in, the, in water, so the heart reflects the real person. However you want to say it, the heart is the real you. Jesus is saying, hey, blessed are those who are pure, not just on the surface, who don't just appear out here as, as, as pure, but from the center of their very being is purity. The source of who they are, their motivations are pure. Ever seen somebody from afar and uh, you're like, man, that person, that's a good looking person. Right? Like, oh, they are pretty or they're, man, that guy's hot, whatever. I mean, I just say that about my husband because, but come on. Have you ever met somebody and you're like, oh, that, that's a pretty person. And then you get to know them and you're like, God bless you. You want to get together? You know what? I'm good. I'm good for a while. Because on the, they look good on the outside, but then inside all the stuff starts coming out, and you're like, oh, I need some boundaries, right? Here's the thing. We can see that we, we, other people don't know our heart, but you know your heart, right? God knows our heart, right? And God sees our heart, and the state of our heart matters, And so all throughout scriptures, God is like constantly speaking about the importance of our heart. Because it's possible to look good on the outside. This is something he he fought with the Pharisees constantly in the New Testament. It's It's possible to look good on the outside, but be wicked on the inside. 
In fact, Matthew 15, uh, 1 through 20, we're going to break it up a little bit, but Jesus starts talking to the Pharisees, and we catch up here. He says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. So here's the thing. The Pharisees were like, they thought you became impure from the outside in. So all their focus was on this ritual purity and, and not touching the wrong, the wrong things. Like they were more concerned with washing their hands with, than they were with washing their hearts. Now listen, you need to wash your hands. I'm not saying don't wash your hands. You need to wash your hands. Keep clean, right? Germs spread. But what Jesus is trying to point out here is like, hey, you're so concerned with things out here, but you're not worried about anything in here, about washing your heart and making it clean. We catch back up, and he says this, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus is saying, hey, it's possible to look great on the outside, but you got a bunch of stuff going on on the inside, right? He's saying it's, it's, it's possible to look like that. He's saying, hey, it's possible to come in church and worship. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're doing something. Oh, yes, Lord. And then you leave, and everything in here is still the same. It's possible to come in here wearing my church hat, doing the thing. I'm praise you, Jesus, right? Looking, looking the good way, right? Coming to the altar at end of service, but your heart is a million miles away from God. That's what Jesus is trying to point out to the Pharisees. He's trying to point out the religiousness of it, saying, hey, yes, outward things matter, but you got to get back to the state of the heart. Jesus then called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. He's saying, hey, don't be concerned from living from the outside in. He's saying, I want what matters is living from the inside out. That's why when we come to faith in Jesus, we say, God, would you continue to transform my mind, transform my thinking, my beliefs? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have to ask him to begin to change these things in here. Not just take away the temptation, God, but do the things in here. Many times, I, listen, we've been doing ministry long enough. All people say, oh, oh, pastor, I need your prayer because the devil made me do something horrible. Oh, he just made me do it. Oh, really? The devil made you do it. Come on now. Now, listen. Listen, the devil didn't make anybody do anything. Now, the devil might bring temptation, right? But you make the decision to do it. Come on. We got free will. Jesus gave us free will. Look back in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. Why free will, right? Jesus is trying to get us to understand it's more than just an outward sin issue here. It's really a heart issue. And that's why we should all cringe when somebody says, well, just do what your heart says. Just follow your heart. No. No. Why? I mean, Jeremiah tells us this in Jeremiah 17, 19. says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
Because here's the thing, without Christ, without Jesus as the ruler and center of our hearts, our hearts are evil. Oh, she's talking in church. She's not giving an encouraging word. She's like, she's going in. Listen, without Jesus, without Jesus, our hearts are sinful, right? Even from the very beginning of time, there's, there's been this heart disease that plagued Adam and Eve, even from the very beginning in the garden. But God doesn't want our heart to be a desert. He wants our heart to be lively, fruitful, pure, so that we can see him. He wants us to be pure in heart. So how, how do we do that? How do we live in a way that's pure in heart so that we can see God? How do I become pure in heart? I want to share a few things with you this morning. The first thing is this. It's, first thing we have to do is we have to get a pure heart. We've got to get a pure heart. Romans 10, 9 through 11 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So here Paul is telling us that by our proclamation and putting our faith in who Jesus was and is, we receive that gift of salvation and we're saved, right? He doesn't say confess with your, your mouth and believe in your head. He's saying believe in your heart. See, even the demons believe Jesus is Lord, but they don't believe it in their hearts. They, would, they know, but they don't believe it in their hearts. So it's not just about believing in my mind, knowing I've been saved, right? Yes, that's true, all of that for what Jesus did for me, but it's truly asking for that transformation, for it not to just be head knowledge, but heart knowledge, that these things would connect because one, and, and one of the greatest things that we have to understand as Christians is that there's a difference between salvation and sanctification. Salvation and sanctification. Salvation is when you were saved once and for all through faith in Jesus. That public proclamation as I just talked about. Sanctification is something that we continue to do. It's this daily process of God making you more like Jesus. It's saying, God, would you make me holy because you are holy? God, I want to look more like you. Sanctify me, Lord. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Yes, I am saved, but daily I want to live this thing out. Hebrews 10, 14 says this, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That is good news. Through faith, you've been made perfect forever, forever. And now, as those who are followers of Jesus Christ, you are being made holy day by day by day. Daily, the, the Father is chiseling off parts of us that need to go. He's, he's transforming our character, and he's infusing the DNA of Jesus into our lives. And But while our heart was eternally made pure, your heart was eternally made pure when you said yes to Jesus, and you asked him to come live in your life, and you got born again, the challenge from Jesus for us in this scripture is this. It's to keep our heart pure, to keep our heart pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. Listen, this is not an, an initial reference coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's about the one who keeps a pure heart. We have to be followers who keep a pure heart. So how can I become pure in heart? The first thing I'm going to get a pure heart 
And then the second thing is I'm going to guard my heart. Guard my heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The heart is the place where we believe, but the heart is also the place where evil lives in our lives. Come on. Right? How many of you have kids in this room? I do. My son, one of my sons is right over here. All right? I remember the day my boys were born. Mamas and daddies, do you remember the day your kids were born? You're like, oh, my baby, right? But all of a sudden, this, like, mama-daddy thing kicks in, mama bear, papa bear, and I'm like, oh, this mama bear thing kicks in. Don't you touch my baby. Don't you, don't you look at my baby that way, right? As they go through school, I'm like, no, that's not my child, right? This mama bear of protection and guarding came over my kids. Anyone else in this room? Come on, right? But just like we're going to guard the people we love, sometimes we like to guard the things that we own. Come on now. Your car, right? Let's, let's be real, right? We get so super protective of our car, our finances, the things that we own, and we forget to guard our heart. We'll get so concerned over guarding all the external things. Listen, yes, you need to guard your children. You need to take care of them. And it's not that those things are always bad, but what we will neglect is to guard our heart. The reality is that the enemy wants to pollute our hearts. He wants to pollute. He wants to sow those things in. He wants to get you offended and bitter. He wants you to stay in this place of victimization that's, oh, it's always somebody else, never me. Don't be looking around the room at anybody. Come on, right? The enemy wants you to wallow in condemnation. Why? Because he doesn't want you to approach God's throne. He knows if you understand that it's the kindness of God that draws you to repentance and you are saved, that, man, how much closer are they going to get? Man, I can't keep them in sin. Let me let them wallow in condemnation versus understanding it's the love of God that separates us from our sins and that the love of God, like when we are full of the love of God, we don't have to walk in that condemnation. But the enemy wants to keep us away from the Lord. He wants to keep us from coming before the throne, right? The enemy wants to get us divided and distracted, right? Putting more, more focus on our work or our kids' sports or politics, the different things. I was quiet up in this church. Is she talking to me? No, she's not talking to me, right? He wants to get us into this place. He wants to get us impure and idolatrous. But here's the other, that's the enemy. But here's what God wants. God wants to see you set free. He wants to see you living a holy life. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. That's what he wants for you. But the way that we get there as men and women of God who are becoming pure in heart is by guarding our heart. The areas that affect our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts, our beliefs. Listen, are you streaming more what's on TikTok? You scrolling through IG? I know I might be speaking to the younger generation more, but what are you allowing in to affect your thoughts and beliefs? What is at the root of that? Come on. We have to guard our hearts for who we have relationship with. Oh, but, I mean, they're okay, I think, you know, I mean, I mean, like, literally, we have to guard our hearts for who we have relationship with. Man, we're, not, we're to be in the world but not of the world. We have to guard what we put in. We have to guard what we sow into our hearts, what we hear, what we allow our, ourselves to hear. 
right? What am I allowing to just come in? Am I constantly listening to things through the news? Am I constantly listening to all the scariness that the news and social media, all those things put out at me and sowing fear deep into my heart? Oh, build a bunker. Build a bunker and let's get three years of food. We have to, we have to guard our hearts. But if I'm filling it with all these other things, then the enemy has room to come in and sow fear. Right? The enemy wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. And he's going to do whatever he can to get our focus and our eyes off Jesus because he wants to pollute our soul. How can we become pure in heart? We've got to get a pure heart. We've got to guard our heart. And then the third thing is this, is we have to gut the competition. We've got to gut the competition. Right? We've got we've to look at what's on the outside and guard against what's on the outside that wants to come inside. But we've got to deal with all, what's already in there. We've got some junk that's already in there that we have to deal with. Listen, I've got junk that's in here that the Lord has to deal with. We all do. We all do, right? There are things that have taken up space inside here that want to compete with what God wants to do in here. And we have to allow God to come in and gut the competition so that we can live with a pure heart, one that's without pollution and division, a heart that belongs only to God. And so uh, 1 John 5.21 says this. It says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. So what's in our hearts that's competing against God? What are those things? Right? I'm sure there's already things that you, you there are memories flashing up or things that you see in your mind. I just want to talk about a few things today that can keep us from having a pure heart. And the first thing is this. When we're talking about gutting the competition, it's sinful motives. Sinful motives. Purity in heart is less to do with what we do and more about why we do it. Right? Less about what we do. I'm not saying what we do is, wrong, is not wrong because it's absolutely, if it's sinful, it's wrong. But it's why we do it. Are our heart motives pure? Oh, I'm just concerned about Brother Joe. You know, he and Sister Sally got a divorce. She left him. And, and I'm just concerned about him. I just, you know, want to make sure he's okay. Are you actually concerned? Or do you just kind of want all the information and the details going on? Come on. God knows the motives of our heart. Well, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and take care of that project. I'll handle everything. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, deal, I'll deal with all of that. I'll just take it all on. Okay. So is it the fact that other people don't know how you can't get help or you just want to control the situation and then get all the praise at the end? Come on. God knows the motive of our heart. Right? This is challenging. I know. Because we don't want to look at those things. We don't want to look at those things. One of the most challenging scriptures that I pray, and I, I pray it on a pretty frequent basis. And let me just say, it's, it's really hard to pray it. And it's this. It's Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a challenging prayer to pray. Do you know why? 
Because becoming pure in heart means I'm going to allow the Lord to actually get in here and highlight those things that do not bring him glory. Not just the external behaviors, that's one thing. But why am I even doing that? Why do I continue to go back to that sin? Why do I continue to just Netflix? Why am I, why am I eating so much? Like, why am I trying to bury these things? What is at the root of that? Jesus is telling us to get to the root of these heart issues. So praying this prayer, God, I, I, I need you to highlight these things so that you can reveal truth in the simple motives of my heart. What are those things that I'm dealing with, Lord? Show me, Father. Show me. Because these things, the things that we allow to take up residence in our heart, they compete with his truth. They compete with his truth, and there's no, there's no room for that. So we have to say, God, what are the motives of my heart? Would you show me those sinful motives? Would you search me, God, point out anything in me that's wicked so that I can be led on this path of everlasting life with you? The second thing is this, another area that competes against God in our hearts is this thing called syncretism. Syncretism is this, it's marrying different religions together and forming your own faith. Let me just say this, this is the number one thing that God constantly attacked in the Old Testament, where people wanted the one true God, but then they also wanted to serve the local gods or their little G's of their culture. Listen, that is, that is all that might be, we don't serve little idols Right? Sure hope you don't have a little idol in your home or outside your home, outside. But what God is saying for us, Jesus is saying for us even in this, this is we have our own little G's that we like to add to our Christianity. Oh, uh, it's just, well, I'm a Democrat Christian. I'm a Republican Christian. No, you should be a Christian. And everything follows after that. Right? Syncretism is saying, well, I want to believe this part of the Bible, but I'm going to leave this part out. No. Every word is the true inspired word of the word of God. We're supposed to apply all of it and not take away anything from it. Last month we had a, a woman's gathering, which you saw the video of the, the girl who got baptized up there. I love it. That was awesome. How many ladies? Let me hear some of the ladies in the house today. <laughs> Men, you're awesome too, but my heart, I love the ladies. So, Men, you're great too. But... Um, you are, but what I love is that that night God was moving powerfully as these women were so relentless in their pursuit of Jesus. Over 215 women got baptized throughout all of our campuses, and y'all know it's a thing for us to get spontaneously baptized, right? Our hair, our makeup, this takes time. This takes a minute. These women were passionate with the Lord, like, God, I want you to do something, but during the message, I had started sharing about the dangers of allowing other things in our hearts that aren't of the Lord and how we needed to rid our hearts of any belief systems and any, uh, anything that conflicts with the word of God, how we need to get rid of syncretism, how there's a, a, a very popular thing now where people are dabbling in new age and witchcraft. They're dabbling with crystals. Listen, there's a crystal Mall, like down in the mall, there's a, a crystal shop. I'm just going to go let these, these help me to heal. Oh, I just, I'm just going to hold on them. They help me to heal. No, they don't. That's a rock. It's a rock. Get rid of those rocks. Come on. 
right? Or, or the, uh, you know, burning sage. I'm just going to burn sage to get rid of, listen, y'all, I had a friend. Oh, she got married, and she, I was like, how's the wedding going to be? Oh, it's going to be good. I found out late she didn't invite me. She was a childhood friend. I, I understood why she didn't invite me later. You know why? Because her brother did a Christian wedding, but then they had a man coming and burning sage to rid the evil spirits before the wedding and in front of everybody. You can't do that. No, no, right? So people are adding these different things. It's called syncretism. So anyways, even at the, as the, at the women's gathering, I'm talking about all these things. I'm talking about witchcraft. Let me say there's another thing that's really powerful right now. People talking about manifesting. Oh, I'm going to manifest this for myself today. No, no, thank you. If you are a young adult in here, please do not use the word. I'm going to manifest this in my life. Let me tell you why. Because right now that word has been hijacked and it's got new age roots. That means it's not of God. Listen, in the church, we can talk about, yes, God is manifesting his goodness in me. God manifests these things for me. Absolutely. But when you say, I'm going to manifest, you put yourself as a G before God. And you are not a God. You are not a God. Right? This is all that's all rooted in this thing called the power of attraction. So when you're engaging with that, you're engaging with the enemy. And a divided house cannot stand. There's not room for God and Jesus in here. Jesus wants the whole. He wants all of that. So anyways, sorry, I got off a little tangent there, but very passionate about that. Serve the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind. Right? So this, this lady wrote in. She was upset. She's like, I'm just, you know, I don't think Pastor Summer should talk about witchcraft from the platform. And initially, Johnson was like, well, maybe she just wanted to be super encouraging. And I'm like, well, I'll try to encourage, you know. But And it, what came back is she's like, no, I'm, I'm a PK. That means pastor's kid, for those of you who don't. I'm a PK. I've gone to seminary. And, but that conflicts with what I believe. And so um, I believe it's okay for us to try and manifest things for ourselves. I believe it's okay to, to, like, we shouldn't talk about witchcraft um, because I don't know that the Bible wants us to. I'm sorry, do you read the scripture? Can Old Testament to New Testament, God talks all about that. Here's the problem. The Bible explicitly tells us not to deal with that. But people are wanting to add their own little G into their Christianity. And we can't do that, right? People are crossing the lines of syncretism and double-mindedness. Combining their different beliefs and saying it's okay and it's not okay. Well, love is love. Love, when you talk about marriage, is between a man born a man and a woman born a woman. That is the true love and meaning of relationship. By that, God says a man and woman will come together. They'll be fruitful and multiply. We are changing our belief systems. Changing our belief systems that go against God's word. And God is saying, hey, please, no, let's, let me look at that heart. Let me look at that heart. Can we deal with the syncretism that's in here? Because a divided heart cannot stand. We have to gut out the competition. We have to ask the Lord to take our belief systems, strip them down, point out anything that offends him so that we can walk in this everlasting way with him. Pure in heart means it means without mixture, right? It's time to gut the competition for God in our heart. Why? Because we want to see God. Do you want to see God? 
Come on, I want to see God. I want all the lustful tendencies, the self-righteousness, the selfishness, right, the manipulative motives. I don't want those things. I want those purged because I want to see him. I want to see him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When we look in the Old Testament, Isaiah had a vision of God. He had a vision of him. And then in Exodus 33, we see Moses, uh, he got to see the back of the Lord. He actually asked God, he's like, God, can I see you face to face? And God's like, hey, um, you know what? Well, I'd love to do that. I'm a little too powerful. And uh, I know you want to see my glory, but I'm going to let you just see the back of me. Right? Here's the beautiful thing. One day, we will get to see Jesus face to face. One day, we'll get to see God face to face. But until then, we get to see him in different ways. We get to see him in this life. We get to see God in this life. I get to see God in my children. They are two miracles that God gave me. And I get to see God in that because he is a God of miracles, right? I get to see God in that. I get to see God in my marriage through my husband who, who loves the Lord and loves me that God, like Jesus loves the church, Right? We get to see God in those different ways. We get to see God when he answers prayers. How many of you have ever had a prayer answered? Come on. That's where God is showing you, I am here. I am with you. We get to see the God in prayer. We get to see him work on our behalf. We get to see him uh, in worship through the word. And the beautiful promise is that we're going to get to see him in this life to come. In this life to come. In this life to come. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. 1 John 3, 2 through 3 says this. It says, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But who have, And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. John is saying, hey, when, when Christ is here, we're going to be like him. We're going to see him. But we have to purify ourselves. Seeing him all stems from becoming pure in heart and getting our heart pure. Saying yes in our heart, confessing with our mouth that Jesus is the son of God, raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of God. It's also making that decision to say, God, I, I want to live my life for you daily. God, would you continue to wash me with your word? Would you continue to wash me, Father? Cleanse me as white as snow. Remove my sins, Father, as far as the east is from the west, because I want to be holy because you are holy. It's about guarding our heart and gutting out that competition. Psalm 24, verse 3 through 4 says this, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. A while back, I, uh, I had a dream. The Lord likes to speak to me a lot in different dream, in dreams. Sometimes it's for me. Sometimes it's for the church. Um, sometimes it's for someone else. But I had this dream, and I was driving in a car, and I had children with me. I think there were a couple more adults as well. We're driving down this road, and I can see it's on the other side. There are other cars coming back. But it's, it's almost like a desert, but there's mountains in the background. And as I'm driving, we're getting closer and closer, and this mountain becomes bigger and bigger as it's in front of me. And so as we got closer to the mountain, I noticed that 
um, there were things at the base of the mountain. The road just kind of winded up the mountain. It, and actually, as it, it wound up, it was, you couldn't even see the top of it. It was so high as we got close. But as we were sitting there, I, I saw all these different things at the base of the mountain. Um, <clears throat> one was like a tractor, cars, miscellaneous things, a briefcase, like all different sorts of things. So as we get out of the car and, and we go over and approach the car, um, I knew at this moment, like, we couldn't take our car up the mountain. We had to climb the mountain. But we also couldn't take the things that we had with us. So I'm like, okay, guys, let's go. Let's, let's climb. And people are like, oh, well, you know what? I, we, I, I don't have to. Let's just do this because I've got to take this. I, I, really, I need to take this, but I can't take it with me. So I'm not, I'm not sure I'm, I'm really ready to do this. And so what I quickly discovered in the dream is that many people, they were just ready to get back in the car and go because it was too hard to climb the mountain. Some said, we'll just, you know, we'll just, we'll just come back later. And I remember waking up, feeling like I had just been punched in the gut. Something to the very depth of my core. And there was this deep sadness that overwhelmed me. So I'm like, Lord, I want to go. I want to go to the top of the mountain. What are, you, what are you showing me here? And I felt like he said, Summer, so many people will travel down the road with me. And they'll say, I want to climb the mountain. And they, want, they say they want to climb the mountain with me. And they want this closeness. But they don't want to get rid of the things, listen, external, but also the things in here that would keep their hearts far from me. Today, God is calling us to live from a place of becoming pure in heart. He's calling us. Listen, it is not by accident that we're doing this series and these things are building one after the other. Listen, we're never going to arrive until we meet Jesus face to face. I'm never going to arrive until I meet Jesus face to face. None of us are. It is a daily surrender to him. A daily surrender to him. It's a daily, God, would you cleanse my heart? Father, point out anything in me that offends you. I want to be pure in heart. I want to ascend the hill of the Lord. I want to climb this mountain with you. I want to see you, God. That's what he longs for us. He wants you to see him. He wants to pour out his love on you in ways that you've never felt before. That thing that's down in there that you're like, I don't even know. It's almost like I see um, like seeds or like almost like a BB inside hearts. Like you almost know there's these little BBs that are there inside the heart. But what, it, what, what happens if I actually ask you to deal with that, Lord? It's scary. But here's the promise. When we deal with those things, we allow him to to gut out the competition of those things and, and our motives, we will see him. We will see him. So as we begin to close, listen, I don't know where you are in this room. I don't know what you came in with, but I believe the Lord wants to do something in our hearts today. I believe he wants to reveal himself to us. But in order to do that, 
we have to allow him to deal with any sinful things. So I want you to just begin to ask the Lord. I want you to just begin to ask the Lord right now, Father, are there any things sinful in my life and in my heart that are keeping me far from you? Allow him to speak to you in this moment. God, am I mixing anything in that's not of you? And then I want you to just tell him, God, if you want this, I'm telling you, if you want this, if you want to be pure in heart, I want you to say, God, I do want to be pure in heart. I do want to see you. I want to become pure in heart. If you're in this room, and there are things that you know in your heart, the motives, maybe motivations um, and just the different things that are hindering you from truly engaging with him. Maybe you've been living life from the outside in. And God's saying, no, today I need you to live from the inside out. I want you to pray with me. I'm just going to ask everyone in this room, believers as well, if you would pray this. Say, Jesus. Oh, I repent. Or I've engaged with being double-minded. Or I've allowed sinful motives to be a part of my life, my belief systems, my thinking. God, I repent. Or I've held things in darkness and not allowed you to expose them to light. Right now, as you begin to expose them, oh, Father, I repent. And I just ask for your forgiveness in engaging with these things. I want you to just take a moment and just begin to repent before the Lord, whatever those, you know what those things are, I don't, but I don't want you to leave here today without giving you the opportunity to do this one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. I'm just going to give you a second. Just say, forgive me, Lord. And then I want you to say, thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. Right now, I confess you are Lord of my life. You, are, you died, you were buried, resurrected, and now sit at the right hand of the Father. And from this day forward, I choose to look to you. Make my heart pure, Lord. Make me holy as you are holy. I want to live my life and look like you for the rest of my days. I want to be pure in heart, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to uh, go back into a time of worship. 
and we're going to uh, sing this song. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, as we sing this song, I want you to make it personal with the Lord. Many of you just walk through prayer. You release certain things, asking God to purify your heart. And here's what I believe. As we, the scripture says, blessed are those who are pure in heart. They shall see God. I believe in this moment, actually even after last service, just hearing some of the testimonies of how God showed up and met people in different ways, God's going to reveal himself to you in a way only for you in this moment. Because blessed are those who are pure in heart, they shall see God. But as the worship team sings, if you feel, if you want to do this, I want to encourage you sometimes, we just kind of need to take a step out. I want to encourage you to come up here. There's nothing wrong with coming up front. If people come up here, don't look at them like they're shameful. This is them saying, I want to be close to God and close to the presence. And many times we'll automatically label people if they come up. Don't do that. Or if you need to sit in your seat, that's fine too. But I want to encourage you to come and receive what God has for you, whether it's in your seat or it's up here. Because I believe as we sing the song, God is going to pour his spirit out. So I want to pray over you. The worship team is going to sing and then we're going to go. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your sons and your daughters who are in this room. I thank you for your word, and the word of God never returns void. God, I thank you everything that you share that you want people to receive it will go deep down into their hearts, into their souls, and into their spirits. And then as they leave here today, Lord, they are leaving as sons and daughters who want to be pure in heart, and they are becoming pure in heart as they have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I bless your people. Father, anything that they were attached to as they came, came in, Lord, as they repented and got rid of those things, I, Lord, we just speak that they are detached from those things as they move forward and walk out of this room right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for an impartation of your spirit, Lord, that washes them white as snow. Come fill them with your love and your peace and your power and your understanding as you are making them new right now as they've submitted to you. I bless your people. And God, right now we ask and release just an impartation of your spirit over your sons and daughters in this room because blessed are they, God as they are becoming pure in heart, as they are pure in heart, and they shall see you. So God, show up, show up, show up, Lord. That's what we're asking for right now. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.